Welcome to the August 26th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Today's reading is Psalm 120 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8, but we'll focus only on the New Testament in this podcast. I hope you're ready. Let's get started. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, um, and, and we're going to go through this pretty much verse by verse. Uh, it's only 13 verses long, and so we'll let's just go on and get through this. Um, and in verses 1 through 3, what he's going to do is he's going to kind of take a shot at knowledge, which is a gift of the Spirit. The Spirit can give knowledge, give the ability to know things and learn things. But a higher, more elevated gift is love, and we're going to see that in verses 1 through 3, in fact, through the rest of the chapter. Uh, Paul elevated love, but it's not, in fact, what we're going to see is it's going to go all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is, you know, the climax of the chapter on love. It's the love chapter. Um, And so Paul is elevating love, but this isn't, you know, something that is only particular to Paul, Jesus himself, as God the Son said, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything you've got, and second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so love is the highest Christian attribute. It's the highest. In fact, if you look in Galatians and see the fruit of the Spirit, the nine things that will be true of you if you are filled with the Spirit, if the Spirit has control of you, the first thing is love. Love is the highest Christian attribute. And so when we get to verse 1, he said, Now about food sacrificed to idols. He said, Y'all have sent me some questions, and I just want to address some of these things. And you sent me a question about food offered to idols. Now, one of the things about in Corinth is uh, there was a temple and where they would uh, sacrifice offerings. They would sacrifice you know, some animals to the gods, and some of that meat was uh, eaten there at the temples, the meat that was offered to the gods or offered to the idols. Some of the meat was eaten there at the temple. Other meat that was offered to idols was sold in the market, you know, at probably a bargain price. And so the Corinthians were saying, can we buy that meat that's been offered to idols? Can we do that? Are we able to eat that meat with a clear conscience? And Paul, what about even going into the temple, into a pagan temple? Are we able to do that and eat that meat? Because we know that those are not real idols and not real gods. We know there's only one God, so that's not that's nothing in there. They're offering it to nothing, and so technically we, we feel like we can go in and eat that. And so apparently some of them were. Apparently, some of them were, and it was causing some problems in the church, and so Paul's going to unpack that here in this chapter. And so he said, now, verse 1, now about food sacrificed to idols. He said, we know that we all have knowledge. Now, that sounds like Paul is quoting them. Sounds like Paul's quoting them. Maybe in their letter to him, they said, we all have knowledge. We all know it's okay. It's all right. We can go in and we can eat that meat. He said, we know we all have knowledge. And so what he's going to do is Paul's going to kind of take a shot at knowledge. And he said, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He said, y'all, y'all think you've got it all together. 
You are so stinking arrogant. You think you've got it all together, and you say that uh, we all have knowledge and we know that it's okay, but Paul, what do you think about it? He said, if you focus on knowledge, the danger that you have with knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge. God gave us a brain. There is joy that is had when we learn new things and when we connect new truths with things that we've already learned. It's just, you know what it's like to learn things. It's just fun. It's enjoyable. But Paul said there's a danger with knowledge that the Corinthians were experiencing, and it's pride. He said, you think you know all that. You think you've got everything figured out, that you've got all this knowledge. But he said, all it's doing is just making you proud. He said, you ought to be focused on love. Knowledge puffs up, the end of verse 1, but love builds up. He said, you ought to be focused on loving each other. Because there's a lot of people, and you know, he was he's going to get to the point, there's a lot of Christians in Corinth that were roadkill you know, there were a lot of Christians in Corinth that were using their knowledge and doing things that they believed was okay to do, but in so doing, they were not demonstrating love, and so they were hurting some of their church members. And Paul's going to point that out. He said, you ought to be striving for love. Verse 2, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. I mean, that's a slam. <laughs> Basically, Paul said, you think you know stuff? You don't have a clue. You don't know nearly as much as you think you do. What? Um, I think it was Ray Comfort who produced the, the evangelism material, Way of the Master. One of his phrases is, Law to the proud, grace to the humble. Law to the proud, grace to the humble. And what he said is that was that seems to have been Jesus' approach. That if somebody was proud, he blasted them with the law. He gave them the law to strive to bring conviction. But if someone was humble, he gave them grace. He gave them grace. Even if they were in sin, if they were humble and broken, then he gave them grace. And so Paul is dealing with proud people, so he's giving them, you know, a fist in in the chin. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he doesn't yet know it as he ought to know it. Y'all don't know nearly as much as you think you should. Verse 3, but if anyone loves God, he's known by him. He said knowledge is going to make you arrogant, and it obviously has. But he said if you genuinely catch on to this thing called love, which is the highest Christian attribute, and you love God, then you're going to enter into and enjoy that relationship with him. And what Paul's going to do and some of the rest of the chapter is going to say, you need to be loving your fellow believers in the church because you're using your knowledge and your arrogance to hurt each other. Verse 4, about eating food sacrificed to idols. So, you know, he, he, it's like he kind of went off on a tangent in verses 2 and 3 to kind of blast them about their pride. And so now verse four, he picks up again. He, he uses the same phrase about eating food, sacrificed idols. Okay. Now I'm getting to back what, back to what I was talking about a while ago. Then we know that an idol is nothing in the world and there is no God, but one. He said, y'all are right in that. He said, y'all are right. You're saying that there is an, an idol is nothing in the world. He said, y'all are saying that, and I agree with you. That is true. An idol is nothing. Now, when we get to 1 Corinthians 10, he's going to talk about how actually the worship of idols was in some way satanic. And so we're going to talk about that in 1 Corinthians 10. But right here, 
I believe that he's agreeing with them. And he said, there's no God but one. Obviously, Paul agrees with that. Verse 5, Paul said, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. So Paul just got, he, he waxed eloquent. He waxed a little theological when he was talking about God and when he was talking about Jesus. But basically, he was uh, picking up on their point that, yes, idols are nothing because there is only one true God and we're the ones that are serving him. Then he goes into verse 7. However, not everyone has this knowledge, right? He said, not everybody is so clear-cut on this. They are thinking that the... The, the pagan worship that's happening in this temple as they are worshiping these idols, those with knowledge, you need, to, you need to be careful of that arrogance and that pride, but you are right in the fact that those idols are nothing. And so, yes, you can eat that meat. It's not a problem. You can eat that meat because those idols are nothing. But he said not everybody understands this. He said there's some new believers there's some people that have just come into the faith, and they think those idols are genuine gods, that there is genuine deities that are being worshipped here, which pollutes the, the, the sacrifices and the meat that was offered to it. He said, not everybody has the knowledge that we have. He said, some have been so used to idolatry um, up until now that when they eat food sacrificed to an idol, their conscience being weak is defiled. He said there are some people, they, they either were in that pagan worship and they believed that there was a God, that that was a God, or maybe they're just young believers that have come along and maybe they've been a young, you know, an infant believer for a while. They, don't, they just haven't thought about this. And he said, as a result, that uh, when they eat food sacrificed to those idols, that their conscience is killing them. They're thinking, oh my goodness, I, this has been offered to another God, and I, I, I know this is wrong, but I see other brothers and sisters in Christ eating this meat, and so I'm going to go ahead and do it, but my conscience is bothering me. Paul said that when they did that to violate their conscience, they defiled their conscience. They made it dirty. See, here's a principle. It's this. God's Word ultimately is the final authority on what is true and what is right. But if a Christian, if a Christian engages in an activity where their conscience is bothering them, they feel like, oh my goodness, I just don't feel like I should be doing this. Even though the word of God does not forbid it, if that Christian is violating their conscience, then to them it is sin. You say, what? It's sin even if the Bible doesn't speak against it? Yes. If the Bible doesn't speak against it, but it still violates a conscience to that person, it is sin. And so I, I, I just want to encourage you that as you look at the word conscience in the New Testament, that it is something that we cannot violate. Now, the conscience is not something that is, that is uh, concrete. It's not concrete. It's fluid. 
the conscience can change. It can be morphed. It can be educated. You know, it can be it can be trained. It can be seared. The Word of God tells us, as with a hot iron, so that it doesn't, bad things don't even bother us if our conscience is seared. That's why somebody who I saw a video of someone today who I'm not sure when the event happened, but someone was in a court and they had murdered someone's son, and as the parents were grieving and one of them was giving a testimony as to how that their life has changed now that their son has been murdered and killed, the one who was accused of the murder was laughing, was laughing. Apparently, they had murdered, they had killed someone, and as they were listening to the parents grieving over this immense loss, this person was laughing. That's a conscience that is seared. It doesn't work anymore. The conscience can be changed. Um, you know, Disney, uh, I think it was Jiminy Cricket, or I think it was Jiminy Cricket that said, always let your conscience be your guide. No, that is not true. That is not true because our conscience can be misinformed. And so we need to be in God's Word so that it can rewrite the script in our brains of what we believe to be right and what we believe to be wrong. And also it can inform our conscience. But whether our conscience is right or wrong, if our conscience is bothering us with an activity, then to us it is sin. And that's what Paul is dealing with in verse 7. Some people believe that uh, it was wrong to go in and eat that meat that was offered to idols. And he said it was bothering their conscience, but they were eating anyway. And he said they messed, they dirtied their conscience up. To them it was sin. Verse 8, food will not bring us close to God. We are not worse off if we don't eat, and we are not better off if we do eat. So what he was saying is food is spiritually neutral. Food is not the issue. Eating that meat or not eating that meat, that's not the issue. It was the spiritual issue of the whole thing. He said, as far as eating the meat, it's fine to do that. It's okay. But he said there's a spiritual component to it, and that's what Paul was dealing with. Verse 9, but be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone, verse 10, sees you, the one who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So what Paul is doing is saying, okay, you have knowledge, and it's made you arrogant, but some of the things you have in your mind, some of the things you believe are right, yeah, we are, we're in agreement on that. Paul said, I agree with some of the things. But he said, with your knowledge, you need to temper it with love. Knowledge without love is destructive. But knowledge needs to be tempered with love. He said, just imagine the scenario. You have knowledge. You realize that idols are nothing. You go into an idol's temple and you eat the meat because you realize that there is no pagan god here because there are no other gods other than the one true god. And so you, with a clear conscience, because of your knowledge, are able to eat of that meat, and it's not a deal to you. But he said, you need to realize that the law of love would cause you to realize that there may be other people that see you there. And they see you there, and they see you eating, and they're thinking, oh my goodness, why are they in that pagan temple eating that food that was offered to idols? Don't they know that it's wrong? And then that person thinks, well, maybe I'm the one that's messed up. And so they say, well, you know what? They're eating in the temple. They're eating food that was offered to an idol, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to eat that meat too. And then as they eat that meat, their conscience is 
killing them. He said, you, because of your knowledge, have messed somebody else up. You've messed somebody else up. This is a principle that we need to be so careful of in our own Christian walk. There are things, friend, that you and I are free to do that the Bible does not forbid, or maybe it flat out allows us to do. You know, we can do it. It's okay. We can do it. But there would be things, there would be, if we were to engage in that, that there would be others that would look on, and because of their weak conscience, because of their uninformed minds, and we're not talking about a professional baby Christian, we're talking about somebody who is just new to the faith, somebody that's just recently been saved, that if they see us and they think, oh, well, I, I guess it's not bad, and so they do it, but their conscience is violated, then we have contributed to their spiritual trauma. We've contributed to their spiritual um, fallout. It's our fault. And what Paul is saying is, is, yes, just because we have the right to do something doesn't mean that we should. Okay, so what determines whether or not we should? One of the things is the law of love. In doing this, in doing this, could it bring harm to someone else who is a fellow believer? If it could bring harm, we need to seriously consider exercising our right. Even if we have a right to do it and it is not wrong, if it could harm spiritually another believer, then we need to seriously consider doing that. That's the principle that Paul is talking about here. Verse 11. So the weak person, the brother or sister for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. You know? They, 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 their ship hit on the spiritual rocks, and they have a shipwrecked. Uh, they've come to spiritual ruin because they followed you, but they didn't have the knowledge you had, and you, you caused them to violate their conscience. And, and I'm telling you, in American culture right now, there would be that in even American Christian contemporary culture, there may be this notion, well, you know, what I do is my business, and I don't have to worry about what other people think. That is the flesh. That is sin. Paul is saying, no, that's arrogance. That's taking knowledge without tempering it with love, and that's making you arrogant, and you're hurting other people. And so if we are genuinely serious Jesus followers, then we can't simply say, okay, this is okay for me to do. I have a right to do it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do this. We can't do it. We have to temper it with the law of love. Verse 12, now when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Uh-oh. Paul said, when you exercise your rights to do what you believe is the right thing to do and you don't care what anybody else thinks about it, and you have a sneaking suspicion that it may offend somebody else or it may hurt somebody else or it may cause somebody else to maybe follow along in your example, but they don't have the spiritual maturity that you've got, and so when they engage in that, they have a guilty conscience, then when we callously move forward anyway, careless of how it would affect others, when we hurt another fellow believer, Paul said, you're hurting Jesus. You're hurting Jesus. 
just because we have a right to do something and just because the Bible allows for us to do or engage or consume or whatever else doesn't mean that we should do it. The law of love is so important. Verse 13, Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Paul said, I'm just telling you by example, church at Corinth. He said, I'm telling you by example that if I were to offend someone in what I did, legitimately offend another fellow believer so that it messes them up spiritually, then I will never again exercise that Christian right. I will never again do it. I will give up rights rather than hurt a fellow believer. Do you hear this? This flies in the face of contemporary Christian culture where it's all about rights and I don't care how what I do offends anybody else. They can get over it. It's my business. It's not their business. And so I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That is completely foreign to the spirit of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is saying, no, love is the primary thing that just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. And what determines that, among many other, a few other things, is, is it the loving thing to do? We need to love each other so much that we're so careful even to give up our own rights so that we don't bring spiritual offense to other people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, um, Lord, the sin nature is alive and well within us. It is not us, but it is sin that dwells in us. And it is in us. And Lord, we know because it is a struggle. Every single day we struggle with sin. Um, Lord, I pray that as sin manifests itself sometimes in pride, in focusing on self and not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, so that we fight for our rights and we do what we want to do regardless of how it may hurt or offend or cause spiritual shipwreck to, to other believers. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to see that love is hands down the highest spiritual attribute. Love for you and love for other people. Lord, help us to live that way. Help us not to fight for our rights. Help so much so that we are callously offending other people. Help us, Lord. Your Holy Spirit, I pray that he would give us a love that would be so strong that we, like Paul, would say, if anything that I'm doing would bring legitimate offense to a fellow brother or sister, I will never do that again. Even if it's okay, I will never do it again. Father, help us to love as you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope today's episode has helped you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Enjoying the Bible podcast is a ministry of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. 
check us out at fbcpolkcity.com. See you next time. Thank you.